You are listening to Riverhouse Church's Sermon of the Week. We hope this talk equips and inspires you. Uh, We're going to start with a public reading of Scripture, and I'm going to have Kari Shaw come up, and we're going to stand to honor uh, the reading of God's Word, and she's going to read Ezekiel 47, uh, verse 12. So if we can stand to honor the public reading of Scripture and recognizing that what's going to be spoken right here is the most pure and authoritative word that will be spoken in this place tonight, higher than the sermon. Amen? It is my pleasure to bring you the word of the Lord. Ezekiel 47, 12. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food, and the leaves will be for healing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys were like 60% compliant. Last service was like 30% compliant, so you're winning. All right, well, we are continuing this series, Questioning Authority. Uh, we will have a and a at the end of this sermon. Uh, the 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 slide will be up there. You can text in your questions and uh, just text questions pertaining to the content being spoken of tonight. Like, um, yeah, I'm not going to answer like personal random things. So, uh, (laughs) you know, anyways, uh, that's that's the question and answer. So uh, we're on this uh, questioning authority and we are just going to give a little recap of the last few weeks and then uh, we're going to continue the journey. Is that okay? So uh, we talked about theonomous kingdom, right? Who, anybody? Which means what? Yeah, you're really listening, okay? Governed by God, right? So it's then the law of God is within the heart of the people. Jeremiah 31 uh, kind of prophesies of this. This is a kingdom reality where God is directly governing his people, right? We have heteronymous culture, which is uh, like a dictatorship or an Islamic state where the few dictate for the masses how to live their lives. We don't like this in America. America, the Western world, is an autonomous state, which is self law, self government. So we've kind of laid this groundwork that in the 21st century Western culture, Christian maturity is a a journey from our own autonomy, learning to come under the authority of Jesus's leadership so that we can enter into the theonomous culture of the kingdom of God, right? And the church is this tutor, it's this middleman that actually is to tutor us and in, in, in inaugurate the way of the kingdom in our lives, right? Jesus birthed the church. He gave us the gift of the church to be a, a tutor into the theonomous culture of the kingdom of God. And the church is a paradox because though it's to actually train us into the leadership of Jesus, there's people that are leading within the church, right? Right, remember it was like funny for me and everybody else was just awkwardly looking at me. Remember that, like two weeks ago? Yeah, it's just like what you just experienced. That's what it was like two weeks ago. Thanks for reenacting that. I'll have nightmares later. So uh, you can listen to those messages, right? But uh, uh, where we've been then is wanting to then contextualize this into Riverhouse culture, right? Because uh, the significance of the local church is that where God has called you is where he will also disciple you. 
right? Doesn't that make sense? Where God calls you to be is because he has you there for a purpose because he wants to disciple you there. And we see in the book of Revelation that John was getting all these different revelations from the Holy Spirit for the different churches. To the church of Philadelphia, say this. To the church of Ephesus, say this. Does that make sense? Right? So if God had called someone to the church of Ephesus, what, did they, what message did they need to listen to? Right? The, what the Spirit was saying to the church of Ephesus, not what the Spirit was saying to the church of Philadelphia. Does that make sense? So in, in a day and age where there's so much content out there, it's very important that we recognize that where God has called us is where he's going to disciple us. I'm not against Stephen Furtick. Come on. You got to get your fix every once in a while, right? Bill Johnson. Come on. We have Joel Olstein, Beth Moore. I mean, does anybody listen to preachers in this room? I know you don't just listen to me, okay? Come on, you gotta get like work with me a little bit here, all right? So I'm not against all those. I'm just saying that we have to understand a rule of thumb is that the local context God's called us to is where he's gonna most expressly disciple us as well, right? So, we, so we're, we're talking about the local church context of Riverhouse Church, how Jesus is exercising his authority, how we are partnering with him to create this church culture that is hopefully and effectually discipling us under his authority into the way of the kingdom. Amen? Okay, yes. Thank you, Casey. Woo! Okay. And the reason we're doing Q&A is because disciples are learners. Were any of you here at all? Disciples, were any of you learning anything? Just a little? All right, disciples are learners, and learners ask questions. Right, because the church is messy because it's people in and in this thing. And so we have to learn to ask questions to get to the heart of what Jesus is doing so that we can come under his leadership. Right? Okay. I'm gonna get you the, by the end of this, I'm gonna have like one point where all of you are gonna be like, Amen. It's we're not there yet. Okay. All right, so we've been going through the, the pillars of our culture. Prayer was last week, which was about connecting with God, vertical ministry environments. That's kind of a cool term, what we talked about. And that is just spaces where the priority is encounter with the face of God. We're in a space where I want you to encounter the face of God on a weekly basis. Get transformed to his image from one degree of glory to another, right? That is what we're after here, right? But tonight we want to talk about family and, and environments of communal ministry, right? And we, we talk about revival groups here. I want to really express why we're doing what we're doing and the significance we believe of what Jesus is doing in creating the model of church that he's creating here at Riverhouse, okay? So to do this, let me just lay a context, all right? We have the small church movement in our world, which is like a Francis Chan would be very associated to it. Eugene Peterson, who's now deceased, but he was a proponent of this, right? And this, this house church, small church movement, we see it in the underground church in China, really anywhere it's underground, it's a house church because you can't have an underground institution. You know what I mean? Uh, but right, you, you're familiar with this. Just raise your hand so I know that you're with me. Okay, so 
So the beauty of this model and why people are advocating it is because it's family, there's intimacy, there's discipleship, and then I put this word, multiplicative potential, meaning these things can multiply like wildfire. Why? Because everybody has a home. Anybody can invite people into their home. If you want to take a city, you can't. we don't have enough church buildings to fill everybody in the city in the church building, but we do have enough homes, amen? So there's a lot of beauty to the house church movement, right? The struggle that the house church movement has is organization organization, governmental structure, as far as getting on everybody on the same page, right? Because it's like every different thing's its own unique thing. And there's a lot of, there's, that's where the struggle comes. And then also I put cultural entrance point. In America, there's been a lot of struggle of implementing this type of, uh, this type of church form because there's not a lot of cultural equivalents that kind of relate to it. Right, you can say, "Hey, do you want to come to church with me on Sunday?" People are like, "Oh yeah, I've been to a concert before. I get what that means." Right? They have a cultural entrance point. It's somewhat relatable. House church is just different. We don't understand it as a culture in the same way. So there's been struggle keeping a lot of momentum in the American house church movements. Does this make sense? Right? But but it's beautiful. It has its struggles. We also on the other end of the spectrum have the mega church movement. Who's heard of it? Yeah, right, we've all heard of it. Who, who's listened to Hillsong in the last three days? Amen, we're all drink, drinking from it, all right? Maybe not all, but everybody that raised their hand. Okay, um, I'm not against the mega church movement. I just wanna kind of just articulate it here, right? The beauty of this mega church, of the big church structures, right, is that there's influence at a city or a national level. I was part of a church, um, roughly, I mean, I wasn't really a part because it was so big, but I went to a church called The Rock in San Diego when I was uh, in undergrad, and they had incredible influence within the city of San Diego and, and did incredible partnerships with at a city level that actually was promoting the gospel in a really beautiful way, and it was only because they were so big. Does that make sense? They, had, they actually had some political things that were going on. It was beautiful to see how this church was actually active in the social consciousness of an entire city. But that was because it was such a large church with so much influence, right? If you think of something like Hobby Lobby, think of how much power. Hobby Lobby actually went to the Supreme Court and got things overturned as it pertained to the Christian rights in their own businesses. It was because it was so big. Does that make sense? It wasn't a mom and pop store that was able to go to the Supreme Court and win because it takes millions of dollars just to go to the Supreme Court. I know that they're not a church, but do you see what I'm saying? There's actually benefit that can come to having influence at that type of a level, and God likes to do that sometime, which is why he's creating these things, right? Uh, there's worship and teaching for the body of a Christ corporate. Who has, listen, you know some, a, a pastor or a worship, Bethel worship, Hillsong, Elevation, Upper Room, whatever it is, right? We've heard it because that God begins to raise these up, and they actually begin to equip the entire body of Christ. Christ. Anybody? You've benefited because of this? Yeah, me too. Okay. Um, finances to, to resource kingdom initiatives, right? And I put some structured things here like schools, universities, ch planting churches, mission supporting missionaries, mission movements, uh, crusade evangelism, things like this. All of those are beautiful things. Wouldn't you agree? All of them take a lot of money. Right? Sometimes we almost have this hyper-spirituality understanding of the kingdom where it's like, oh, like if it, it shouldn't take money if it's God. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's almost like, yeah, all of that should happen, but like why, we shouldn't take a whole bunch of money. Well, it's like, no, God started us in a garden called Eden. We're ending in a city called Jerusalem. What is a city? 
It's a bunch of buildings and structures and, and houses and schools and education. and Like think of how much money goes into creating a city, right? God wants to create a heavenly city, right? He wants to create the kingdom and it takes financial resources. And so sometimes God will raise up these, uh, uh, that there's actually, it's actually a good thing to be able to start. I went to a Christian, anybody been to a Christian school? Right, that, that took a lot of finances. And I, I went to a school that shaped my life deeply because of a church that actually started the university. You know, so uh, these things are beautiful. And even like, you know, who knows Reinhard Bonnke, Crusade Evangelism. You know, it's a lot of bigger ministries that sow into him. You know, and, and they're seeing, they've seen days worth a million people come to the Lord. And those crusades cost millions of dollars. Right, so it's there, there's actually benefit in, in sometimes, and we look at that and we're like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But just just to even give you, I know many ministers that go into the Middle East or other places that do crusades of ten to twenty thousand people. They're going to see thousands of people come to the Lord, and those cost roughly, I would say, anywhere from thirty to fifty thousand, and that's conservative. And we say, oh, that seems like so much money, but if you break it down, and like five thousand people came to the Lord, you know, it's like six bucks, 50 bucks to see someone saved. Okay. And, and I'm not like, don't hear what I'm not saying. Like, Hey, here's a transact. It's not like that. But do you see what I'm saying? Like it takes resources to sometimes create these, these, these ministries and initiatives of the kingdom that take money. Okay. So I think you understand what I'm saying. And, and there's just a critical mass that comes. And then there's just organization. Um, that comes. So there's, you know, organization for church growth and multiplication of the kingdom. All right. The struggle of the megachurch movement and where a lot of the criticisms come is a lack of intimacy, a lack of discipleship, and a lack of family. Right. It's like this big crowd that gathers, which poses some, some, some problems. Right. And so um, I'm not saying that we're like, hey, let, like, we're going to do both of these things. I'm just saying, here's the pendulum. But now I want you to understand where we are trying to create the culture of Riverhouse, okay? And we've said this a lot. We're a two-space church, meaning there's two, like, weekly, bi-weekly, like, routine things, meetings that we really advocate here. There is the Sundays, which we talked about last week, and there are every other Thursday, or sometimes they're starting to start in other days of the week, but what we call revival groups, right? Who's heard of a revival group? Yes, like four of you. So they meet twice a month for the rest of you with the goal of facilitating healthy family, okay? Spiritual gifts are practiced, activated. Intimate relationships are cultivated. Um, missional expression is engaged in the community. These are to be hubs of healthy family where true, authentic community, intimate community and family is created uh, so that we can live the gospel in our world, all right? So I want to give you some biblical understanding of our model and also our church name. Kari read in Ezekiel 47, uh, the passage, uh, which is where we get our name, River House, right? It's the river that flows from the house of God, right? We are River House here. And I want to give you understanding to the whole context of this very, very powerful, beautiful prophetic imagery that Ezekiel passed down to us throughout the generations of church history, okay? The, the, the story, this vision, for those of you that don't know, Ezekiel has a vision that he goes to the temple, 
which in Israeli culture, the temple was the center of all their worship. Everything, it was on Mount Zion. So it was on the mountain. They would go up to the mountain. That was where God was. That was where they worshiped God. Everything in, in the Jews' mind of that day about God revolved around the temple, okay? So Ezekiel has a vision. He goes to this temple, and when he gets to the temple, there's this little trickle of water that starts coming out. An angel takes him a thousand cubits at a time. I don't know how far a cubit is. Anybody know? Let's just say a foot, okay? A thousand feet, a thousand yards, whatever you want to say. And each thousand cubits that he gets, the river's deeper, the river's wider, to the point that he says it's my, it was my ankles, then it was my knees, then it was my waist, then it was so strong I could not pass through it. It was this mighty rushing river. Then he says, then I looked up and there were trees growing along the banks and those trees were bearing fruits of all kinds and the leaves had healing power and Revelation 22.2 says that those leaves are for the healing of the nations. Then he says, and then I followed that river down to the Dead Sea. Who's been to the Dead Sea? The Dead Sea is the most well-named place in the world. It is dead. Like, it is so dead. Right? You can't get your eye in a speck of that water and you want to, like, rip your eyeball out because it is so salty. It's like kills you. Okay? It is dead. He follows that river right to the Dead Sea and things start coming to life. We love this imagery, but we need to understand it more because the context is powerful. This is, this is, this made no sense to Ezekiel or to a Jew in that day because everything was about the temple. But somehow in this prophetic imagery, this, this word, God is actually showing that this trickle, the further away it gets, the more powerful it becomes. And God is actually criticizing an over-centralized understanding, an over-institutionalized understanding of the Israeli Jewish religious structure. Does this make sense? I believe this is very prophetic for the American culture today. God is actually wanting to recognize, hey, you're coming on Sundays for an encounter with me that's a trickle. But the more, the further away this trickle gets, the more powerful it is. And I'm a missional God with a missional heart. And I'm in the world on mission. And I want my church to get out of the four walls that they've been exiled to and to start bringing the power and the presence of God to our culture. Okay? All right, I got you, almost all. There's like eight of you I'm watching. Okay, so though there's a criticism of an over-institutionalized, over-centralized view of religious structure, it does not diminish the importance of the temple. Right? And I believe in the same way that though there has been an overemphasis in American Christianity on the structure, the, the institution of the church, Sundays, it is necessary. I think it's more vital than we realize because it's where the trickle of the water comes, right? And that trickle is what becomes a river that has the, the, the life to actually cultivate an ecosystem of, of fruitfulness, right? The trees start growing. The fruit starts, start, starts coming from the trees and then the leaves are for healing. And I believe that trees, these trees are a picture of what, of what the revival groups are in our church. They're, they're, they're pictures of healthy family. They are ecosystems that are rooted in, in, by the river and then they are bearing 
bearing fruit for food, which nourish and grow and bring nutrient to us, right? Family grows us. Relationship actually is what catalyzes our relationship with God. Relationships with people catalyzes our relationship with God. We don't actually know if we have a good relationship with God until we see what our relationship with people are like. First John, it says it's impossible to say that you love God if you hate your brother. It doesn't make sense. Relationship is the litmus test of true spirituality. It's where the rubber hits the road of what you say you believe and what your relationship's like with God. Relationships authenticate it, right? And so healthy family grows, it nourishes, it strengthens us, it, it, it corrects us, it convicts us, it exposes us, but ultimately it feeds us and we grow up in community. The great tragedy of spiritual isolation isn't that you don't have a connection with God and that you're not going to go to heaven. It's that you miss out on the food and the nutrient that comes in being this healthy, cultivated, rooted, grounded community called family. Family is where we thrive. Family is where human beings thrive. All right, And family, uh, it, it, because uh, the, the, the trees, it says that they bear fruit how often? Every month. So that's a supernatural fruitfulness, right? Healthy family is, is a supernatural thing because healthy family comes from God himself. God is healthy family. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And so the Trinity is a family within himself. And so when, when we start, we, we actually have to be rooted by the river of his presence for us to be able to do healthy family. Like we can't do healthy family on our own. Healthy family is not like, hey, I'm just gonna try really hard to do family right. right. We're living in an orphaned planet with a lot of dysfunctional, broken family. And God says, I have a different way. But the only way we create healthy family is when it's, it's actually being, because the water flows from the sanctuary. And that's what flows up through every single branch. Every single cell and fiber of that tree is being resourced with the water of God's presence. Right? So revival groups, we're trying to create these, these, these trees. They're these trees that are being rooted and they're growing up and abounding in fruitfulness in their community and their family. And there's food and there's, and there's mission, right? Because the leaves are for the healing of the nations. Right? And healthy family is missional. Right? Healthy family is missional. By definition, God is a missional God. When you, God, it's like he so loved the world that he gave the most precious thing he had, which was Jesus. Mission is radical generosity to the world. That is what mission is. Mission is when what we have is so good, when we've experienced the, the, the purity of agape love, when we've experienced what family is because we've actually entered into the unity, the union, the John 17 oneness that is God, when we have entered into the family of God and he's in us and we're in him and we are just literally caught in the crossfire of the affection of God, of the healthy family, of the trinity of God, then we cannot help but give that to the world. A church that's void of mission is a selfish church. It's a church that doesn't know love. It doesn't know agape. Everything's inward. Once we've known agape, once we've entered into family and we found home, it's like something clicks in a human. It's like, I've got to give this away. God so loved the world. He gave. 
Healthy family is missional. I'm preaching and I'm teaching. And so we're not just doing revival groups like, hey, this is a great like small group activity. We hope you can do it. We are literally pouring in and saying, Jesus, how do we, how do we help create these communities that are healthy family, rooted by the river? And how do and so that trees begin to grow that bear fruit and the leaves are for the healing of nations? How do we how do we create healthy family? Multiply, 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 multiply through this church movement. Right, and, 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 and this is this is what we've developed now in three years of there, there's language and there's there's three prototypical leaders within River House. There's Peter, Joseph, Ezekiel. Peter called the leadership within the organization of the church. That's me, that's church staff. Joseph called the leadership outside the church in the midst of culture. I believe there's many within our church that that is the primary, that is where God wants you exercising leadership. That's where he's called you. It's out there. It's in family, in uh, you know, education, in whatever those things are. But uh, then there's also Ezekiel. And I believe that Ezekiel plays a significant role, I actually believe, in the new wineskin of the church God's creating in America right now. Because I believe in the same way that God was, was trying to break Israel out of this over-institutionalized understanding where he was almost bound to the temple. Does that make sense? And he needed to break himself out of the temple in the minds of the church. He is trying to break himself loose of the four walls of the church, the, the organized church in America. Not as an indictment to say it's not good. The trickle's here. But to say, I, I'm, the trickle's here, but the river's rushing out into the dead places of the world as well. Right? He's, he's trying to do a work in, in, in our minds, in our consciousness, where we recognize. He's saying, guys, the river's more powerful out there, right? but we still think it's here. We still think the trickle's where God's at. We still love the chills that we get in the worship songs. And he's saying, I'm with you out there too. Right? He's, trying to, he's trying to work in and the way that he had to do it in Israel's days, he exiled them. They were exiled. Right? In the American church, we have to recognize, guys, we're a church in exile. If you turn on the news, nobody really cares what people are saying from the American pulpits. If, if your coworkers at work, I doubt many of them are saying, hey, what's the pastor saying at, work, at church? What's the consciousness of the church right now? What do they think? Nobody cares. Like, let that hit you. Our culture does not care what's happening here. They don't care. We have been exiled. And it looks like, oh, America, the Christian. We are not a Christian nation. We've lost our influence. God's trying to wake up, wake up. You have Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you've lost your influence. Wake up. It's time to wake up. And Ezekiel, Ezekiel in chapter one, verse one, he starts off his prophetic oracles. He says, in the 30th year, I was in, Babylon by the river Shabar. And scholars believe that when he's saying his 30th year, he's not talking about the 30th year of exile because he had just been exiled. 
He's talking about his own birthday, which is significant because Ezekiel was from a priestly family. And on your 30th birthday, if you're a priestly family, that's when you stepped into the priesthood. And Ezekiel is mourning the loss of his life. His whole existence and identity had been found in what he would be doing in the temple. And the temple had been destroyed. And he was in Babylon in exile mourning, saying, I have no purpose. My whole life, I thought I was going to be a pastor. What am I going to do now? And then he has a vision of the divine glory, the Shekinah, coming a tabernacle and there's wheels and eyes and wheels and wheels and it comes to him in Babylon and it's God communicating to his son saying, Ezekiel, I know the temple's destroyed but my presence is with you in Babylon. And Ezekiel was anointed by God to actually create and lead the people of God in the midst of secular culture. And I believe that God is raising up Ezekiels in our nation today that will be people that, that, that can actually cultivate, that can plant these trees and cultivate healthy family and community in the midst of a very secular and broken culture so that we can show them who our God is like. Jeremiah, he speaks, he exhorts the exiled Israel. He exhorts them in Babylon. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become fathers of sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands. That they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there. And don't decrease. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will have welfare. Right? And then Ezekiel is sent and anointed by God to help Israel do just that. And so we believe that in Riverhouse and, and also in other places across this country, God is raising up individuals anointed to cultivate healthy missional families in the midst of our city. And that's what we're looking for in creating revival groups. Uh, we don't just think it's like, oh, this is just cool. It's like literally it's who we are is Riverhouse. We want to encounter God together as a family, and then we want to do healthy family and actually cultivate these, these trees, become part of these living families that are, that are pr producing fruit and then healing for, the, for, our, for our city, right? And, and so our goal is to continue to create more and more of these so that Boise, there'll be all kinds of trees bearing fruit, right? Like literally the vision would be hundreds of these. Hundreds of these communities all across this valley that are all kinds of different trees bearing different fruit, but all the same DNA, like siblings. My brothers have red hair. Go figure. <laughs> same DNA. Right? And so we expect that, that as, as we're looking for leaders, uh, we're, we're searching, like in Justin and Tisha Ross or they're leading over the leaders, and we're constantly searching to say, God, who are you anointing in this Ezekiel-type role that they're not called to be on staff in a church, but they are called to cultivate a family and open up their house to be a place to just foster the grace that you're releasing on a Sunday when we're encountering you, cultivating it so that it can grow up and continue to bear fruit, right, so that we can bring healthy family to an orphaned planet. Like, this is the thing I think we miss a lot of times in the evangelical church is we like, oh, let's go out and do mission. Let's like go, let's go and, you know, do, and we do a lot of good mission, but we haven't cultivated healthy family. And people don't want to get saved to an institution. People don't want to get saved to an orphanage. 
People don't want to get saved and say, hey, come and just to, like, people are looking for a family. And once we've become family, a healthy family, that's what every single person on our planet's longing for is home. We are a homesick, orphaned planet longing to come home. And I believe that if we can have hundreds, hundreds of these, these spiritual kingdom families that are actually cultivating the life of, the, of, of God himself in the midst, they're planted by the river, they're bearing fruit supernaturally every single month. People are like, how, how is there so much fruitfulness and life flowing from this community of people? I don't understand it. I believe that we'll see a missional force sweep across this land like we've never seen because everyone will want it. I want in. I want what you have. We forget, we, we've fallen into this thing. It's like, oh, we need to like market and make it so cool and make sure everything's so like inviting. No, no, no. When the church starts being family, the world comes knocking on the door, begging to get in. That was the early church, you guys. It took a year before someone could even come to the church service, come to the meeting because they had to go through a year worth of screening just to get in because every, and everyone wanted in. They weren't out advertising, knocking on people's doors. They were afraid they were going to get killed, and yet people were coming to them. Where's the house with the fish on it? I want in that place. There's life there. There's healing there. There's something happening there. We have what the world's looking for. It's family. It's healthy family. They will know that I was sent from the Father when they're one, like we're one. When I was in Iris Ministries, uh, Roland Baker, I'll never forget, he was giving a discourse on how the kingdom is not either or. The kingdom is both and. And for that reason, that is the call we feel as River House is that we're to be both and. We are to grow big, and we're also to grow small. And, and, and they, have to be in, in, they have to be in tandem, which is part of why we feel like God kept us here for two years even though we haven't been able to grow. It's because he was wanting to grow other things. And we're still in attention. We, 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 we know there's dozens and dozens of people that are called to lead and create these. But it's taking time for the DNA of what he's doing to get in to us, to begin to understand and embody it so that we can begin to create healthy family. And God wants to use you to be an embodiment of fulfilling this vision, which is why the pulpit here will never be the highest, the highest pinnacle of what River House is. The, 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 this, this is the lowest point. This is the trickle. Like, this is the trickle. And the burden that I carry is God. I have to trust that this trickle is somehow going to produce fruitfulness out there or everything I do is useless. This is all just a waste of my time. If this is what it's all about, coming here on a Sunday for two hours, if this is what it's about, then this is so, so less. It's about family and healthy family is the missional. It's the, it's the, it's the instrument from which mission flows. So we are in this dependent journey of waiting and saying, God, we want you to continue to create, create these, these, these revival groups, these, these healthy families. And then as they mature, let that fruitfulness start to abound and let those leaves of healing start to just blow across this land and bring healing to orphan hearts and bring prodigals and the far off and the lost and the addicted home. 
So this is resting on your shoulders just as much as it is on mine. Amen. I'm gonna pray and then we'll do some Q&A, okay? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the passion of your heart on this topic. I thank you for what you're doing here at River House and that this is a, it's a long-term vision that you are sowing into our hearts, God. And I just say that you just bless it, Father. Bless it and just continue to, to speak and refine and, and guide us into what it means to be healthy family. We pray in the mighty and the precious and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, let's welcome Suze. She's hey, gonna, everyone. She's going to be the What's facilitator up? of the questions. Yes, I get to read all of the questions. Thanks for sending them in. We have some good ones tonight. I'm like wrecked. <laughs> now we have to drill him. For Q&A. Okay, well, get ready. Buckle up. Um, okay, the first question, you talked about the mega church model and the small church model and talked about the beauty and the struggle of both of those different models of church. So can you describe some of the struggles that we face in the model we've chosen to engage with at River House? Um, yeah, the struggle is as the church grew really quickly and like, you know, uh, pressed up. And also, if you guys do need to leave, you can, you can leave. We'll just open, just, you can, you know, it's okay. Um, uh, we'll go as, as long as maybe, we'll just, we'll go, but you can leave. Uh, uh, as the church grew to, you know, five, 600 people on a Sunday, that outgrew our ability to disciple and actually create these communities. Um, it's taken three years, honestly, for me to start. I, I, in the last probably two months, I'm like, I actually feel like I'm starting to understand what you're doing here, and that's me, and I'm spending most of my life thinking about this, you know? So how could we expect, like, dozens and dozens of leaders to have that same consciousness rising up? And so it takes time for the DNA to get in. You look at Jesus, it took three years to get his DNA in his disciples before they were ready. So we, we knew we couldn't like microwave the process. Hey, you're ready. There's people honestly that are in this room that you don't know that I've talked about and we've had conversations. I think that they're called to leave, but it's not yet because we've had to wait. And so there's been this tension of the crowd grew, which is why the grace of God kept us here where we couldn't grow anymore because that gets all exciting. And he's had to say, okay, no, no, no. Stop now. Now you have to grow this because if you don't grow this and you just grow that, then you start falling into the trap you don't want to fall into, which is this. It's all about the church. Does that make sense? So the struggle has been knowing the timetable of, no, we need to embrace the process. Even though we need 10 more groups right now, uh, we can't do it because it's not time because that would be microwaving it and it would be short-circuiting it. Does that make sense? So we've had to embrace the journey of the Lord saying, no, now it's time to, let, to grow that, to start that one, um, instead of doing it on our own timetable, which you would think common wisdom would say, oh, the crowd's grown. That must mean Jesus is saying it's time. And he's saying, no, 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 you need to wait on me and you need to embrace the process. So that's been a lot of the struggle on our end. Okay, that's good. And can you explain more what that looks like to follow the discernment of the Holy Spirit as you engage in that process? So if somebody's interested in becoming a revival group leader and they don't want to engage in self-promotion or like, what does that process look like? Yeah, so that's a really good question. And uh, what I would say is you plug into one of these communities. Uh, we've had people say, hey, I really feel called like I'm supposed to do one of these. And it's like, have you been to one? No. And it's like, 
well, you need to see what they're like. You know, like that'd be like one of the first things we would look for if we would say someone's called to this. So we would like, that's what we want is um, if you're really feeling called to it is plug into one of these communities. We have like seven or eight. I believe there's a, there's a few more on the horizon, but those leaders need help. And I would say, get under them and say, can I serve you? Can I help you? That's un- when you're serving someone, that's the quickest way to get uh, what the, God's purpose is of the DNA in you. So I'd say, get in one, serve another leader, and trust that God will exalt. Because like what's being communicated tonight, you see he's very passionate about this. We're very passionate about this. We want to empower leaders to create these communities. We're not like, oh, no, no, no. It's like we want it, but we can only do it when it's time. And that's part of why we're saying if we can come under the leadership of Jesus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to expedite the process for all of us. Does that make sense? So that would say that's the, that's the fast track to leadership in Riverhouse. It's to humble yourselves and serve. So there's not a step-by-step process. This is what I need to do in order to become a revival group leader. Get in a revival group, serve your leader with all your heart. That's the fast track. All right. Good answer. Um, Okay, so this question is in regard to family. Obviously, you talked about family being a really important component of mission and how unless we have healthy family, we can't be missional. So how do we engage in that without creating a kind of in-group, out-group culture? So without creating, a, I guess, a harsh line between the church and the world? Yeah, I think that's probably a contextualized question that's going to pertain to any, like, I was talking with Justin Ross, who him and Tisha are kind of leading uh, over the revival group leaders themselves, um, and he was saying how, like, I'm a dad, and I know my family, and there's sometimes when it's like, we need to have some real hard family talks right now, so I really don't want my kids to have the friends over. Does that make sense? It's like, we need to have, like, this is like a, you know, huddle talk. And then there's times when it's like, you know what? No, like we are, we've, we've gone through it. There's such something beautiful happening. We need to invite people into this because it's too good for just have it for ourselves. So I think it's like that's the discernment that we are going to have um, in each individual revival group amongst the leaders themselves. It's like, hey, is this more of like, no, it's time to really open up? Or is this like, no, we're going after some things and there's whatever going on. Does that make sense? So I think it's going to be an ongoing discernment process. That's one of those tensions that I think can only be navigated through relationship with God. It's not a formula. Okay, so what about within the church family itself? How do we cultivate family within the church without cliques forming? And what if you're somebody who wants to engage in family but constantly feels like you're on the outside? So the thing I would say about community is that you are powerful and you have the ability to create it. And one of the things that there's sometimes this codependent relationship that has almost been taught to us in church, which is I come to church and now it's your job, church, to create my community for me. Um, does that make sense? And sometimes that it kind of trains because it's like, oh, how old are you? You go to that group and that's your community. That group, like, and it's like zero through 73. We've got a group for you, you know, which is like not bad. Like, I love that. We don't have that at Riverhouse. That'd be amazing, right? But um, the, the truth is, is that you have a huge role and actually only you will ever be able to create community for yourself because community happens 
when you are vulnerable and you pursue people with your own heart. So like, I, we love to help people find community, but I can only, like we, you, can't, you can only lead a horse to water, you can't make a horse drink. And, and what that act is, is it's actually, I'm gonna pursue people. And so a lot of times I'll have people that will, you know, uh, I, I just can't connect with anyone. I'll say, well, have you asked anyone to coffee? No. Have you texted or reached out to anyone? No. It's like, you got to take your initiative, you know, and, and, and step out there. So, like, I, we totally help. I try to correct, um, create mentorships all the time. If you're struggling in your revival group, go to your leaders and say, hey, I'm struggling. Can you help me? You know, like, it's just a comp- – we got to, like – but you got to fight and you got to do your job in it. And, and, and I think that, like, I have my job to grow, and so do revival group leaders. But it's got to be a thing where we're just, like, talking about it, and it's recognizing that we're, like, you got to think, like, I've got my plow in my hand, and, like, okay, where do I need to plow, and how do I need to do this? But, like, I'm ready to put in the work to create this thing, right? Because community, we, like, there's a lot of millennials here because it's 6 o'clock. Some of you aren't, and not we're happy you're here too, but it's just typically, <laughs> no, but typically, like, the younger, the 4 o'clock, you know, the age is high, you know, it's like, okay, um, <laughs> you know, the wisdom's like, no, I'm joking, um, <laughs> I'm totally joking, Call I'm out. totally joking, right, but, but like millennial culture in particular, and I think this pertains, but this is just the, it's organic, you know, like, oh, it just relationship community has to be organic, anybody said that, right, that is so true, but community is also the most intentional thing we'll probably ever produce, like, it's intentional. You, like, literally choose to do it. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, like when you're in a dating relationship. It's like, yeah, it has to be organic with chemistry, but you have to choose to pursue the person sometimes when they're doing things that are not very attractive, right? So it's the same. Like, you have to recognize that there is an intention that you need to operate in creating community. There also needs to be kind of like the organic process. And I believe that as we do our job, God usually will create the other job. So, but have conversations around that. Ask questions, revival group leaders, staff, whoever it is. We want to help you in that. Okay, I think this is the last question concerning family, and then we'll just do one or two on mission. Okay. Um, what would you say to somebody who actually feels like it's more painful in their experience to be in family than to be out of family because of the rub that they're constantly experiencing or hurt people have placed on them? Um, so I would say it's probably always going to be more painful to be in family than it would be not be, but that, that's because to, to love is to be vulnerable, and, and people are, are broken. We're all broken, and we're all going to get hurt, and you know, even in church, the typical pattern in all relationships, church, people, it's excitement, disappointment, and then one of two things, disengagement or growth. And so uh, we're always going to experience disappointment. And usually the more excitement we have, the more disappointment we experience. Can I get an amen? amen? It's like the first five dates were amazing. Then it's like, oh, they're a human being like me. Crap. You know? I'm always like, it's like, oh, my gosh, Riverhouse is perfect. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Wish I could join you, but I'm more aware of its imperfections than anyone here. You know, so excitement, disappointment. In family, you're going to experience disappointment, but you have to trust 
that God is in the midst of it and he brings beauty from disappointment. And if we will choose to embrace disappointment with a good attitude and say, okay, I have something to learn, right? Iron sharpens iron. That's not comfortable, but it produces something so good. So I would say press into your disappointment, recognize that, yeah, it, it is scary, but it's worth it. You know, like Brene Brown would be a great person to read some of her work on this because it's like, you're either gonna be a life of vulnerability and you're gonna experience life and be alive, or you're gonna be in an addicted cycle that you're gonna have to check out of all the fear and the, and the pain and all of it. So you're dealing with that somehow. Family usually just exposes what you already have inside of you, um, if that makes sense. So it does add things, but it often triggers things from within, so. All right, this question is kind of pertaining to- Are you guys good for like, what, three more minutes? Okay, I can keep going all day. Um, <laughs> this question is pertaining to the water trickling from the temple and the, the point that we're supposed to be in culture and that's where God's moving powerfully. So in a culture that is fast paced and busy, how do you wisely discern where and how one is to invest your time for the kingdom? And then I guess I would probably add to that. What if you feel like there's a conflict between time that you're spending cultivating healthy family and time that you would be investing out in culture? I think that's a process that we're probably still trying to answer. I think that we're in the journey of maturity, and I think that, um, yeah, that, I think you're part of finding the answer to that question. Um, you know, like, I, I just throw, like, an idea out for you that I, I, um, I met this pastor in New York City earlier this year that it's the, you know, most fast-paced city in the world, and uh, how they're doing mission is they have... Uh, it's called dinner parties, and they're basically just having dinners and then inviting people that live in the apartment flats around them to come have dinner. And so uh, if you're a revival group leader here, like Newsflash, I'm going to tell you this on September 17th when we all get together. But I'm going to start encouraging the revival groups to say, hey, what would it look like to, like, do, you know, empower different people within the revival group communities to do a dinner party, like, one time this fall, like, and invite coworkers and invite, you know, friends, family, whatever it is that like don't necessarily know Jesus or wouldn't come to church. And the only goal of the night is that every single person that's in your home leaves that place feeling so honored, like just so deeply honored. Like how cool would that be? You know? So like, I, I'm trying to like practical. I think we need to make this practical of like, um, so basically I think that instead of looking like, oh, I'm doing family and then am I doing mission? I think it should be, we're doing family. And as we do healthy family, there's going to be natural consequences of like, whoa, mission, mission. Cause like I said, when we have, when you have family and then you like do things like, I see this all the time, even with my own family, when we will, we'll, we will bring outside people into our, and they'll be like, I don't know what it is, but like, I just like love being around you. Like, and we had a retreat one time. I don't know if I wasn't there, but people were out on the ice in the water. We were up in McCall and everyone was just having fun. And there were strangers there and they were like, we don't know what it is about you people, but we just like love being with you right now. It's awesome. You know, because, because it's love. Everybody's looking for that. So I think, I think it's one in the same pursuit. Like I said earlier, it's just there's going to be times when it's God more focusing on cultivating family, and then I think the reward of that in some ways is mission will come. So It's beautiful. And it's not just inviting people to church. It's inviting people into family. There's a lot of people that won't come to church. They just yeah. frankly won't come to church. So we, we have to create trees by the bank that will get them close enough 
you know, but it's a safe place. So that's good. Okay, I think we're going to wrap up. If your question did not get answered tonight um, because it wasn't on topic or we didn't have time, please feel free to email that to info at riverhouseministries.com and we would love to respond. Yep, and then lastly, we have a uh, their email address. Um, I know some people, I've even had people saying, hey, I really want someone to process things with or maybe an, an older person or a mentor type thing. And so um, we have some people in our community that said, hey, I would love to sit down and just field any questions that somebody would have. Um, people that have been around our community um, for multiple years. And so you can text Kim at, this is the email address, and she will connect you with uh, an individual in our community. So um, we're thankful for you guys. We're thankful for this journey. Uh, we're going to do one more week um, like this and hopefully kind of finish like a bang. And then uh, really excited for the fall. And uh, the Lord's going to take us on a journey, and we're going to kind of switch gears, and, and I, I'm really excited for what the next month holds. So um, buckle up. Jesus is moving, and he's getting us ready for something amazing. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, have a great night. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Riverhouse Podcast. For more information, visit riverhouseministries.com.